Hey there. So, I never really had a chance to introduce myself, so I'm going to go ahead and do that now. My name is Pastor Andrew, and I go to Deliverance Bible Church in Hearst, Texas. Now, I began this podcast and this YouTube channel really with one simple goal in mind, was just to preach five-minute gospel messages. But I also started this podcast and channel uh, before these current situations. Um, I kind of took a pause for a minute. And in fact, I didn't even get on social media for about 20 days. Uh, things have changed. I, I don't think anybody would deny that. The world is a different place than it was when I began this. And uh, I had a mission and agenda in mind. Um, but I don't anymore. And so you're going to find five minutes of the gospel somewhere in this, probably at the end. Um, but more than that, I feel like this platform that I've built, I just want to use it. I want to use it to preach. I want to use it to speak the truth about everything that's going on um, with being a Christian right now, honestly. And so I don't want to get political, but it's going to probably and I'm not trying to get denominational or critical but I probably will because that's just the truth of it because what I see right now when I look around the world um, the American church I see people that bended their knee pretty quickly to all of what's going on right now and I, it's not that I don't believe that there is a virus I, I do I think there are a lot of viruses I think I think you're gonna die anyway you're going to die. Every 10 out of 10 people will die. That's just the truth. That's the reality. I don't live in fear, though. And I think I see too much fear. And fear is not the same thing as faith. And I don't like what I've seen with so many Christians being so quick to forsake the assembling of themselves and then to condemn, not only just condemn, but to turn people in other Christians who are worshiping, look, let's be honest. When we say essential, we're talking about what does that include? Well, you can still buy alcohol. You can still buy marijuana where it's sold legally. Uh, you can still get an abortion. You can even have some medical procedures. But if we don't think there is a spiritual essential value to the church, then we're missing something then something in, in, in the hearts of Christians is dead. And I find it quite ironic that the last 10 years or so, everyone's pushing community, community, community. We've got to be, you know, have community in small groups and home groups and, and we all this press to, to have community. And then overnight, the same people are saying, well, the church is not just a building. You know, we can, there's nothing the church uh, can do, can't do from home streaming live. Well, that's completely untrue because how are you going to lay hands on somebody? How are you going to pray for the sick? Um, I've never heard of revival taking place in at home. You know, you corporate worship. It's not the same. The, the music's bad anyway, let's just be honest, most of the time. And me watching it streamed live is even worse most of the time. So don't tell me that it, we can do everything. You can't baptize people online. And, and then churches are getting shut down for having communion. 
uh, drive-through communion services. Uh, you know, I saw a local or a pastor that that I follow. You know, he set up his church so that he didn't have more than the the legal amount of people at the same time, and they were all six feet apart. And he was bringing them in 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 certain you know permitted groups so that they could take communion and then leave the building. And the police showed up and shut him down. Now, for the first time in my life, as a Christian, I'm I'm going to say. I have illegally worshipped as a Christian. I didn't think that day would come. Well, maybe I did. Maybe I kind of thought, you know, maybe someday that will come. The way it happened, though, is surprising. But here's the problem. So many people don't really have any regard for church. So it's, it means so little to them anyway. It's such an afterthought. They go in on Sunday. Maybe if they're real radical, they go Sunday and Wednesday. And they go in, and there's a, a clock that plays X amount of worship, and then they cut it off when it's over, you know, when the time's up. Never any room made for the Holy Spirit to freely move. And then it's like, then the preaching is chop, chop, 15, 20 minutes max. It's real crazy. And then maybe people get prayed for, and you're in and out in this fast food, hour long uh, setting. <laughs> I mean, if that's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if that was what church was for you, then maybe, maybe this doesn't even matter. You want, you can do all that from home. Like, you're not going to miss out. But there are some people out there who still believe that the preaching of the Word of God is intended to be heard, that we're supposed to come together and assemble and we're supposed to listen to what the prophet has to say. There are still some Christians out there that believe that experiencing the anointing when you come together in unity and fellowship in the Holy Spirit, not around carnal community and coffee, there's still people that believe when you do that, that it blesses your life, that you can still find deliverance at the altar of God. You know, you can come to the altar and you can experience God. You know, and again, for such a contemporary church that's placed this uncanny emphasis on the altar call, the unbiblical altar call, and I'm not saying God can't move at an altar, but let's be honest, where is that in the scripture that you have to go down to the altar to get born again? To put so much emphasis on the altar call and the same voices to be saying, well, you know, we could do this whole church thing from home. I just don't, I, I don't, something doesn't sit well for me. I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, Timothy, letter in Paul's letter to Timothy, chapter 3, right? We can look there together. Um, Paul tells Timothy, in the end times, right? You probably heard this. And I and this verse is, is funny for me because I've heard so everybody wants to apply this to everybody they don't like all the time. You know, and so I'm always, I get a little weary of seeing it misapplied to condemn prosperity preachers or something. I don't know what people think, but um, they're going to accomplish by that. But it does say, but know this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Things are perilous, guys. These times, these are not good times. Now, whether or not we want to admit it, things may never be the same. And 
I'm just thinking if you're going to lay down and roll over for the threat, the scare of sickness and the government coming together to tell us that we can't worship because people may contract a virus. And again, like I'm saying, I believe the virus is real. You know, I believe the flu is real. I believe that, you know, there are diseases out there that can, uh, you know, make you pretty sick. Okay, but how is it that an institution that has been built upon the idea of being a place you can get healing, that preaches the word of God to encourage you in perilous times, you know, the scripture says trials will come. Yeah. You know what's gotten me through the many, 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 many trials of my life? Having a church body to go to, you know, having a church, it's not about the building. Like my pastor says, we, we meet in a shopping center, okay? And some of those walls are a little sketchy. And, you know, and, but it's the coming together with a group of people where there's an anointing in the house of God, okay, on the altar, from the pulpit, in the praise band, in the prayer, in the worship, there's an anointing, there's a presence there. No matter how low I have felt in my lowest times, no matter how sick or, or afraid or fearful I've been, I could always go to the house of God to find deliverance, healing, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Ha ha! <laughs> ah! Again! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta be honest with you now, okay? Let me tell you the truth. Okay, my church has been in revival. So, you know, um, like I said, if your church was just boring, dead, and dry, I can honestly see why going online might be a relief for you. But for me, that wasn't an option. No, no question in my mind whatsoever. When they said, it's illegal, and I said, you know what I said? I told my pastor, I said, I have been locked up and gone to jail for real crimes. Seriously. You know, before I was born again, I was a drug addict. I hung out with drug dealers and murderers and rapists. And, you know, thank God I didn't, you know, I thought I was a little better than them, you know. But it was just been a matter of time before I would have ended up in the same place doing the same thing that many of those people did. Or dead. But I think I would have just died. It's a miracle that God got a hold of me. It's a miracle, you know, that I that I came right off the street, strung out on meth, and went into a junky little strip mall church where there was a man preaching from the altar, from, from this pulpit, who honestly at the time, knowing him now, he's my pastor, had lost his father, who was in the dark, a dark low place, really, and stood up and preached the gospel. And I got born again. I got delivered. I got saved. I don't do drugs anymore. You know, I found that in my little crusty punk rock tattooed church in the middle, you know, between somewhere in the middle of nowhere between Fort Worth and Dallas. But when somebody said, you can't go there. And I thought, well, if the doors are open, you know, I'm going to go. 
I don't care what the cost is. See, church isn't an idol to me. I encounter God when I go there. So why on earth, as a Christian who loves God, would I not go to the house of God if I'm encountering God there? Makes no sense to me. Don't tell me that the one thing that keeps me off of crystal meth, which is God, the one thing that delivered me from suicide and depression, which is God, that I can't experience him somewhere. Now, people say, oh, well, you know, you can experience him from home. And I do. <laughs> you know, and I do. But anywhere I can experience him, I'm going to go experience God. And if you come into my life and you say, don't, you can't experience God in that place, I'm going to say, I'm going to do it anyway. And they say, well, we're going to, you know, we'll, we're going to lock you up. Say, well, I'm going to keep on going to that place if God's there. And then, oh, well, you know, then we might kill you. Then I, well, guys, you're going to have to kill me. Because when I got born again, I died. I'm a dead man walking. I mean, you know what I mean? I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I don't know if I should laugh or cry. I'm just thinking about how the early years of my Christianity, you know, I didn't just, I don't know. I mean, I built something in my heart by studying martyrs. You know, I, I studied Voice of the Martyrs and I read their, their magazines and I learned of, of, of what Christians in the world who suffer who, you know, the Chinese Christians, <laughs> you know, that they would go and they would literally meet in caves underground, you know, like they would go out of their way to risk life, you know, loss of life and limb just to come together and as believers. And then you see videos of their meetings and they're just full of joy and they're rolling on the floor laughing and they're enjoying God. And I'm like, don't freaking tell me that it doesn't matter if you congregate together. Don't tell me. Because the truth is, this, these current times, ha <laughs> ah, glory to God forever. You know what? I'm just going to worship the Lord for a second. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much. God, you're so good to us. You're so kind. You're so merciful. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you've done a great deep work in my heart, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have kept me and preserved me. Lord, that you are my deliverer. Thank you, Lord. I pray for all those that might be listening to this, whoever they are, wherever they are, whether they like me or they dislike me, whether they like you or dislike you, God, I don't even care. I pray that you bless them and you touch their lives. I pray that you would go deep into their heart, Lord. Help them. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So if you didn't like me before, you might really not like me now. So, But I love you. All of this is to say... God is really, really good. God moves among his people, and it's worth it. You know, whatever was going on in your Christianity before these current perilous times, all this 
apparel is going to do is accentuate what was already there. It's going to underscore. It's going to underline what you already felt or thought about the presence of God, about church, about unity, fellowship in the Holy Spirit, all of those things. You, what, what you felt about them then, before coronavirus or whatever, you know, all, all this situation is going to do is shine a light on what was already there. And let that be a testimony. And here's the good news. Let's say you were cold and, and watered down, hardened to the things of God, and you had no interest in church, and you had no interest in community, in the Holy Spirit, and fellowship with God, and you didn't find value of the preaching of the Word, or the prophet speaking in the house of God, or the pulpit, or let's say those things didn't matter to you. There's so much grace. <laughs> there really is so much grace. Like, just, just turn from it all and come to God. Just turn from it all and come to God. Right now, so many people are pretending to be strong. They're pretending to have it all together, and they've got their, their pithy little sayings and their funny videos, and the truth is, you know what? We're weak, man. We are so weak, okay? But that is what, admitting that weakness, opening your heart, and saying, God, I don't know, you know, what's going on in the world. But I want you. And I am I will die for you. You know, everybody talks about wanting to live for God, you know, die for God. But as they say, who, who's going to live for God? And the word martyr is interesting because it just means witness in the Greek. But somehow we think that it's about those who died. You don't get to the point of dying for your faith if you aren't willing to live for your faith when it's convenient. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not willing to stand up to the pressure when it comes, if you're not able to, you know, hold fast during the normal procedures of life, right, you're not going to, when the pressure comes, you're not going to be able to make it to the end. You're not going to be able to. I remember when I was lost as the devil himself, you know, I would fantasize about given these opportunities, like someone put a gun to my head and say, deny God, and I would I would show them, you know, no. I would have cowered like a baby. But I was deceived. You know why? What I was deceived was thinking that somehow if I did that, it would atone for my sins and my, my lying and my stealing and my drug addiction and, and, you know, blasphemy and adultery and my sexual promiscuity and everything else that I was into. I thought that if I could just die for God, that that would wipe my slate clean. Well, here's, I mean, I'm going to shock you. A lost person who won't deny Jesus, okay, at the bullet, still goes to hell. Okay? Because what are you denying? I mean, really think about it. If you really understood the gospel, it would transform you. If you really understood the message of Jesus, it would transform you. So let me give you the five minutes. So the five minutes. Okay, here we go. This is your, here's the five minutes. Um, are you alone? So get alone so you can hear the five minutes, and then we, can, we won't have to worry about this being called five minutes alone. Really, the truth is, I'll be honest with you, there's a Pantera song I really, I really like. And 
I just thought that, you know, somehow I could reclaim that name. And I thought of many different ways. And you know what? I, I, I think maybe it works, you know. But really, you know, which the story is. Someone sued the singer of Pantera for something that happened at a concert. And then he comes along and he says, you know, just give me five minutes alone. Or the... Yeah, I don't even know the whole story. It doesn't even matter. Because, you know... Let's just be honest. Where Dimebag Daryl probably is. Because here's why. He lied. Just like me. Just like you. Stole. Blasphemed. Lived for himself. Um, so... God's standard is looking at us all. And we really honestly have no um, remedy to this sinful life other than the blood of Jesus. Here's what I mean. If it was just simply about keeping the rules, then why can't we do that? Like, Why is it that every single breathing soul on this planet lies in some way? shape, form, or fashion, would bear false witness against their neighbor, blasphemes, takes the name of God and drags it through the mud. Why has every person, including you and me, at some point taken something that did not belong to them? Why? Why do you think that is? Because not only are we born with a sinful nature, we are selfish, we are greedy for gain, pleasure we want to maximize it. Pain. We want to minimize it. People are quick to seek that pleasure. And that is part of the sinful nature. You've sinned. I've sinned. Sin is the only thing that has separated us from God. The only barrier between us and the Father is our sin. You couldn't keep the law. I couldn't keep the law. None of us can keep the law. But Jesus could. And Jesus was perfect and holy. So the Father sent Jesus to fix a problem that we have. See, the problem's not with God. He, didn't, he doesn't have a problem. But He loves us so much. God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The, the beauty of it all is that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. The beauty of it all is that God's not actually expecting you and I to be holy. He's not expecting us to be perfect. He knows we cannot do it. But you cannot come to the Father without acknowledging that weakness without acknowledging your shortcoming, your failure, that you have not just sinned some, you are through and through by nature a sinner. You've done nothing but sin. And the only remedy, the only solution is the blood of Jesus to wash your slate clean. You need the blood of Jesus to make you whole. You need the blood of Jesus to make you holy. And you'll know that you've believed that truth because God will demonstrate that you believed it by making you born again. If you're not born again, I mean, you can't say there was a time in my life 
where everything changed, where I went from loving sin to hating sin, from hating God to loving God, where I was consumed with who he was, that I was undone by the love and the beauty of a Savior that would save me. Like, if you can't point to that, you don't have that. And if you don't have that, you're not right with God. So this message is for the lost sinner who knows, I'm not into this religious thing, I don't want to know, I don't really care, it's not for me. It's for that person. But it's also for, oh, the godless, religious, false convert who still thinks there's some goodness they can add to this. That still thinks God saved them because they're a good person. That still thinks that somehow they earn their place with God because of some merit of their own. The gospel's for everyone, but if you're lost today, you could be in one of those two camps. You could be the lost sinner who just hates God and doesn't want anything to do with God, but you could also be the religious false convert who looks great on the surface, who feels really good about their Christian life, but at the core of who they are, they're wicked and nasty and they are religious, and they clean up the outside, but the inside is rotten to the core. Okay, the gospel saves both kinds of lost people. So if you're on either of those two teams, bless God, you're on the same team, unfortunately. But the message is the same for us all. The same approach is, is simple. It's faith. It's all faith. So understand that. And I'm tired of critics who are like, well, you said repentance and faith. Okay, well, Paul did too. Okay, he said, this one thing I do, you know, forget that which is behind and press on towards that which is ahead. And that's two things in one. Jesus, Mark 1.15, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. All right, I'm tired of explaining that to critics. Repentance is a gift from God. It, and But remember... God's putting something in you to give you. It's all his sovereignty, all his grace, all of his mercy. He's already done the work. He's already put a measure of something in you. You just have to respond to it. You have to repent, which means to give up on all of your false thinking, first of all, that your way doesn't work, and that you've offended a holy God, that you have come against him, that he owes you wrath and hell. And turn from that nonsense and total faith. Put all of your faith and trust and love and fiber of your being into the hands of God and plead for his mercy to be applied to your life. Call out to God to save you as the wretch that you are without Jesus. That's what you need. I don't know if that was five minutes, but that should be close to it. You know. You can always respond in the comments. Um, you can always contact me through my website, uh, five minutes alone, F I V E M I N U T E S A L O N E dot org. And there's a way to email me there if you want to talk about this more, or you'd like me to pray for you, or if you want to curse me or whatever, you can do that too. Um, I might share anything that you decide to to uh, contact me with good or bad I may use some of that um, it, you know life is good I'm happy um, it's a good time to be alive believe it or not 
It's a good time to know the Lord. It's a good time to be born again. It's it's a great time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a great time to to be walking in the promises of God. You know, this isn't the time for everybody to be condemning prosperity. Please. This is what you need is prosperity. Look at the economy, okay? Look look at the world around you right now. Everybody wants prosperity right now. But nobody wants to give understand true biblical prosperity please come on that makes no sense to me you know but what about all those corrupt people out there that you know they're they're gonna you know, misuse the gospel for their greedy gain and and fly around in private jets like okay whatever even if they are in the wrong there's biblical truth all just pouring out of the bible about prosperity if you need God to do something in your life, you know, and I find this ironic because people will come to the church all the time. They hate you for preaching prosperity, but then they want you to pay their rent. They don't want to hear any of this, you know, tell me I could sow a seed and reap, even though it's in the Bible, by the way. They don't tell me all that, you know, but I do need some personal prayer because I'm struggling my finances. And then if they get blessed, don't you give credit to God? So if you're going to, why do you pray about money? I mean, the <laughs> it's in the Bible. You might as if you're gonna ask God, you're gonna believe God. You just don't like it when somebody says that you can give and receive. That somehow you can sow and reap. Although every human on this planet is a picture of how a seed is sown and a human was reaped. Every plant, every animal, every bit of living thing on this, every living thing on this planet came about by the seed. Okay. Sow, sow into the kingdom. Be a tither. Well, I'm it's new. Te- I'm New Testament. I don't have to tithe. I, I'd say you had to do it to get to heaven. But I couldn't imagine how, in these perilous times, in this fallen world, with these circumstances, you wouldn't want to stand on the promises of God and give ten percent to your church and reap the blessing that cannot be contained, is what it says in Malachi three. That I can't see why in the world you wouldn't want to receive the blessings of God that He'd open up the storehouse of provision. The problem is people have a low view of Scripture, and they hate it when you tell them that. But they'll say, no, no, it's sola scriptura. I mean, like, that's a weird reformed term to to try to understand. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm saying the word of God has promises in it. Put your faith in those promises. Because if we really believe that all scripture is inspired by God, and theos neustos, the breath of God, then by all means, let that breath be in your mouth and, you know, proclaim what the word of God says say what's in here okay and then take those promises and cling to them as your hope the same way you hear the message of the gospel it's in the bible you put your faith in that you believed it it manifested you know just anything you believe about god you have to do it by faith same thing goes for finances um and by the way i'm not going to ask you for money you but you should be a tither you should give money to your own church um But I have a suspicion that all those people out there that, you know, don't think there's an importance in in gathering in church and all that stuff right now may not be tithers, just saying maybe, maybe. But I think those who who were committed tithers who said, this is my church, this is where I get fed, 
you know, even though it's a weird expression, but this is where I come together and I hear the word of God and I'm transformed by it. And I find healing at the altars and the and, and community and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And I respect the pastors and the leadership in my church. I'm going to give my 10% here. Those are the kind of people that come at risk of loss and life, you know, risk of loss of life and limb to come to their church. I'm just, I have a feeling. Just think those are the kind of people. You know, but again, I don't know. And am I passing judgment on people that are, you know, trying to be safe and careful and obey the law of the land? Yes. No, I'm kidding. No, um, I'm really not. You know, but I am a preacher. And I should that should stir something in you. It really should. And it's not to be harsh or condemning or, or, or hypercritical. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, we, this is, if there ever was a time that we needed to come together as a church, it's now. You know, well, people need to be safe and not spread the virus and stuff. Okay, I get, I get it. I get it. But I was also at the grocery store today and the people, somebody brushed into me and I was like, I can go to church and not even get that these days, honestly. But here I am at the grocery store with some stranger I don't even know who touches my card, puts in the hand. I went to Home Depot the other day and they took my phone. I had to pick up order. I was like, here, it's on here. And then they took it and they touched it. And I thought, I, I put that thing on my face. Okay? If ever there was a time, a chance, an opportunity to catch this stinking virus, it would be when I go to Home Depot or the grocery store or anywhere in public. So don't tell me the church has to close. Please, guys, come on. You know, it's not even a matter of should there be a reason to close the church, you know, under these circumstances. I get it. I really do. But I'm I'm free. I'm an American. I have constitutional rights that talk about this freedom to assemble. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think there should be a thing in the world in a country that calls itself free that should close churches. That's it. That's my position. And you can think about that what you want. I really don't care, to be honest. Um, you know, it's it, these, these are trying times. But if it's this today, what is it going to be tomorrow? What's it going to be the next, next year? What's it going to be in 10 years? You know... We can't be so quick to, to sacrifice our civil liberties so fast, so easily. Um, and that's just what, that's what's happened. Um, you know, like right now, you, you, can't, you can't go preach the gospel. You, you can't go to another country. Like you see what I'm saying? Regardless of how good the reason is, regardless of how much we think that that's okay, given the circumstances... There has been a lockdown on Christian activity and other things too. I get it, but I'm not. I'm not here to, to to complain about that. I'm here to complain about that it's coming against my Christian religion. It's coming against other religions too. And I live in a country where religion and freedom to assembly and worship is constitutional and should be protected. Okay, but again, like I said, all this situation is going to do is going to reveal. Like, if you take the route of, you know, but respect the law of the land, love your neighbor, 
Oh, that's my favorite one. All those people out there that want to say, you know, this is eisegesis. And if you don't even know what that word means, I like you. But so in, in biblical hermeneutics, as they call it, um, when you're studying scripture and you preach, you exposit a text, you preach a text. If you read into the text, that's called eisegesis. So I can take this text and make it mean what I want, where a true exegete will do sound exegesis as an expositor. Like, who uses these words? Come on. Pithy, theological-minded Christians who honestly are far removed from the real power encounter of knowing God. But whatever. And I have a degree in theology. Whatever. It doesn't matter. My, It's when you take your own meaning and add it to a text. Why am I telling you this? Because that's what people are doing with this love thy neighbor. Did Jesus have in mind when he said, love your neighbor, that he was talking about viruses and government lockdown? No, that is eisegesis. So all of these sound exegetes out there need to go back to Bible college because they're missing and missing the point and twisting scripture to fit their narrative. Okay, but whenever I see a verse like, ha, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Well, ha, shikara basando robasha, I got that spirit. I'm free. And so no, nothing's going to tell me I'm not. And at risk of loss of life and limb, I'm going to pursue. This has been five minutes alone, a little longer than five minutes and there's going to be longer than five minutes going forward. But I'll try to fit five minutes of the gospel in there somewhere. Be blessed. I love you. I really do care. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. But uh, I've been sitting back for too long, honestly. And uh, I've been silent. And uh, But not. I feel like the Lord has... has placed me in a position to sit down for a long time and it's been great and I've been filled with the fire of God like I said my church is in revival you know if and when we can ever come back together you should come it's 310 West Pipeline Road it's in Hearst Texas and uh, we'd love to, to have you come drink deep from the well of revival every single time we come together the Holy Spirit pours out in serious measure i'm not even kidding it's been great it's been so good so much revelation on grace and joy the laughter the joy the peace of god you know it's everything that you need in these perilous times you can get from the wells of revival at our church i'm not gonna lie so you know look us up deliverance bible church if don't believe the haters there's plenty of them out there too but if you have a hunger and thirst for god come drink deep from the well of revival at our church uh but this has been five minutes alone i'm pastor andrew bless you i don't know how you end these things so i'm just gonna let it cut off